0: reach out to me at stephanie@mission.org at to see how your business can benefit from partnering with our team at Upnext in Commerce. Welcome to Upnext in Commerce, the show that takes you to the front lines of what's happening in digital retail and beyond, with conversations from fast-growing startups to the Fortune 500 and everything in between. You'll get a glimpse into what's next. I'm your host Stephanie Postles, the co-founder and CEO of mission.org. And I'll be your guide through all the trends, innovations, and hot topics in the world of commerce. What are business leaders thinking about when they aren't winning a business? Family? Travel? The latest TV show? Yes, yes, and hmm, maybe. But how about quirky business opportunities? Or little discussed financial trends? Or maybe even plant medicine benefits, and alternative wellness. Mission Daily is back, baby, and our flagship podcast is better than ever. Mission Daily is the podcast for the business builder, the thoughtful marketer, the team manager, the blue-collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who want to break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about, but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Welcome, everyone, back to Up Next in Commerce. Today, I have with me Joel Layton. Joel is the vice president of e-commerce and digital strategy at Shinola, a design brand with an unwavering commitment to crafting lasting products, from watches to leather goods and even a hotel. Joel. Welcome to the show.
1: Wow, oh, thanks a lot, Stephanie. I appreciate the time. Thank you for having me.
0: It's going to be a great episode, I can already tell. So you were <laughs> calling in from Detroit, right?
1: Detroit, Michigan, you bet. So about 10 years ago, we, uh, the, the founder, we, we decided to build a watch company in Detroit and get back to sort of American the, the ethos of American manufacturing, and no better place to do that than in Motown
0: amazing okay so you started with just watches right like perfect. correct okay how many products correct. do you have now and what oh, are they
1: so uh, we uh, probably some might argue too many but we we have quite a line uh, ranging from the watches as the core to leather goods and leather goods ranges from bags to hand uh, backpacks handbags uh, keychain holders uh, airbud airpod holders um, Blankets, pillows for from our home, candles, um, bicycles, turntables, uh, a whole array of lifestyle jewelry, uh, a whole array of lifestyle. What a lifestyle designer brand would do, um, because we want to move. We we know that watches are is our is our core, and where where our foundation was started. But as you go to build the brand and the ethos of the brand and the awareness of the brand, we wanted to expand categories. And now we really look at ourselves as a designer lifestyle brand.
0: Awesome, yeah, I went to Detroit one time in my life and I actually went into Shinola. And I don't know if you all are doing this anymore, but you had a partnership going on with kind of like a home company. I mean, they had beds and quilts and all that. And it was like right next to the Shinola um, retail store that I went to. And I was like, oh, this is a very interesting company. And then you had a little coffee shop in there. I mean, it was so many things like blended together. Tell me about that. Cause to me, I haven't seen that very often where it's like, okay, now we're partnering with Nordstrom or whatever. And there's a coffee shop and it's like, everything you want is in this one store.
1: You got it. In that particular instance, because that, that was actually pretty recent. That was a partnership with Crate and Barrel.
0: Crate and Barrel. That's what Uh, it was.
1: um, Yep. To actually build out um, as we built out more of our, our reach into home. And what no, what better way to do it than a, and a strategic partnership with the likes of a Crate and Barrel, and and sort of have ourselves attached to specially designed furniture, to to build out your decor within 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 your environment, and so that was an exciting partnership. And I think what we do is we forward-looking, as we go to build a brand, we look to strategically align with like companies from a philosophy standpoint, from an aesthetic standpoint, um, to help, you know, continue to pound away the drama of spreading the word about China Mm alone.
0: Okay. So are you all continuing partnerships like that with other companies? And how do you know, like, if it's successful or not?
1: Yeah. So we're always looking for the right match. And that can ebb and flow. Uh, the crane Barrel one was a good match for, for us. Um, you know, we have had, have had others in the past that may or may not have been exactly what we wanted to do, but we, we are all constantly on the look to see who is the right partner to help, help us ex- expand. Um, how we measure success, I mean, not to just be callous about it, I mean, it's sales, yeah. right? How, how, do, how, how does that drive? And then ultimately though, in addition to sales and maybe in some cases more importantly, is awareness. And are we able to expand into another demographic, into a broader reach for ourselves so we can drive that awareness number higher and higher so people become more familiar with the brand uh, and eventually become evangelists of the brand? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. No, I I was thinking when I walked through that retail store, I'm like, oh, this is the future. Doing things like this where you're able to just yeah, be able to have access to a lot of different experiences at once. And it can be experiential. And you can even invite people in and be like, hey, let's meet for coffee here. And then just browse around. And it's kind of like everything at your fingertips.
1: 100%, that's the idea. And what we wanna do is make sure that in our retail stores and ultimately by extension, a website, that it's not just a transaction, mm-hmm. right? That it's, it's telling a story, it's uh, engendering emotion, a feeling, a soul, right? Of what we're trying to ultimately accomplish. And that's what's most important to us.
0: Yep. So I know you were on a panel recently and you were talking about D2C and No Channel Left Behind. Hey. And I, You know, we do our research here at Yeah, look at that. <laughs> so what do you think when it comes to direct-to-consumer versus retail? Like where do you think the world is headed right now?
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm a believer, and if you looked at my background, you'd probably consider me really a digital guy. Um, but even as a digital guy, I'm a real believer that experiential retail or experiential direct-to-consumer is going to be where this goes, which to me means a real omni-channel approach. And that, I mean, that buzzword omni-channel has been sort of beat to death here in the last four or five years or so. Mm-hmm. But the idea is... Meet the customer where they want to be, right? And if they want to be digital, great. Create an awesome website that tells them about the brand and gives them great choice and and efficiency to buy. If they want to be just retail, great. Make wonderful stores where the agents or the associates are warm and inviting and informative and supportive in an atmosphere that makes them feel welcome. And that allows you to continue to, to expand. But what you can't forget is that customer may use both. And how do you want to be able to communicate with them and, and, and talk to them in ways that are brand correct across the channels, you know, that then is what really builds the loyalty to the brand and what really builds the ethos of what you're trying to do. And I think that's where the future is going. I think, you know, I think of like the... Um, the Dyson vacuums, the Warby Parker's of the world, who, you know, create these showrooms, right? That you may or may not be able to grab the product right off the shelves there, but they create an experience for you to allow you to ingest and understand the product and and the mission, and then you can go buy them how you want to buy them. And I think that's gonna we're gonna continue to see that because I think that the beauty of what I think certainly e-commerce or the web did over the last decade or so is it moved the power back to the consumer, right? Where if you think of for 40, 50 odd years dating from you know probably the early part of the turn of the century, even in some cases into the, 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 the 2010s, but if you take from there all the way back into the 50s and 40s and 30s, It was a merchant driven retail experience. The merchant was basically telling you what you were gonna buy, right? And they were guiding you and pushing you to what you wanna buy. The internet blew all that up, right? Because you could open up 10 especially tabular browsing blew all that up where you could have dozens of tabs open looking at multiple retailers and you're gonna go choose what you wanna buy. So it's now we're in the age where it's incumbent upon retailers to really understand how to marry those physical and digital experiences so you can help influence the customer to make that buy rather than just shoving it and giving them what they want when they want it rather than just shoving something at them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I also was reading that you're, when it comes to these strategies, trying to figure it out. You're a, let's see, you said test and learn junkie when it comes to trying to figure out like what works. And so, what are some maybe tests that you've been running over the past year or you plan on running where you're like, I think this could be big? And not just for Shinola, but for any, you know, direct to consumer founder out there who's like, okay, what has Joel been doing? And what should I avoid maybe trying? Because he already says that he did it this way and it didn't really work. And what is he maybe betting on in 2023?
1: yeah i think as as i move into 2023 i'm betting on you know sort of efficiencies in the purchase funnel Mm -hmm. i think that's where you can make a ton of headway as far as is it designed in a way that's efficient for you to 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 allow a customer to move forward through and are you giving them the best experience so i'm also looking deeply at plp um, product listing page Work and and extending that upward into category listing page work so that we can take a look, can we tell some stories and then get you into the product listing page for shopping efficiency and then understanding things like, should my filters be down the left-hand side, should be across the top, um, all that kind of stuff. While all, all the while looking at the very top of the purchasing and the experience funnel on your home pages and on your content and landing pages, of efficiency of buttons, um, language, all of the above, right? And you know, I think it's incumbent upon brands and retailers, big and small, to be constantly testing to find out what's the right formula to work, right? Is it buy now, shop now, get it now, learn more? What, are, what should you be saying and when should you be saying it? Um, so those are things that we're looking at in great depth. And then we're going to also be doing a lot of experimenting, and this is experimenting that I would advocate for anyone, is segment segments, right? Mm-hmm. Start building out to understand who your segments are. Um, right? Should you be treat, treating female customers different than males? Should you be treating the 50-year-old customer different than the 28-year-old customer? Like, kind of get a feel for how they are coming in and dealing with it. And you know, we've seen great success in like, understanding how we should position our Facebook traffic versus our Google traffic, to name a few. Right? And so I'd advocate there. Um, you know, have, have we seen nuances and you know between Instagram and Facebook? Yeah, but it not probably enough to be meaningful. So you can be reasonably consistent there at some levels. The idea is, if I was to give any advice, is like to start, right? Start with simple homepage banner tests, get a feel for how people are interacting with your site. Then, as you because it's higher lift. From a technical standpoint, then as the lower than the funnel you go, you should always be testing that. But it gets, you know, that's where you um, need to start building things out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think in this coming year, when it comes to segmentation and all the leaps that are happening around AI, people will be able to have as many as they want and it'll be happening for them. Where it's like, okay, this person made this one micro move on your website and they did this one thing in your email, so you're gonna talk to them like this. Like it'll be able to be so detailed where- 100%. Yeah, marketers maybe haven't had that in the past. That's correct. So what about, you mentioned Facebook and Instagram. What do you all think about TikTok? I mean, your products are so beautiful and like that, Seems like you would do really well on there.
1: Yeah, we're going to begin experimenting in TikTok. I mean, we we're looking at that as certainly now that indeed is the 800-pound the, the gorilla of the platform. So as, as we move into the new year, we're going to begin understanding how our customer plays in there, right? Mm-hmm. And we're also going to try using it as an awareness-building play. So how can we take that robust imagery of our products, of our beautiful products, and get it into a platform where we might not have been as recognized or as familiar with? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it's incumbent upon us to give that a run and see how it's gonna work out.
0: Yeah, and are you thinking it's gonna be coming from like a Shinola brand, like very nice imagery to your standards or are you gonna be tapping into maybe influencers or micro-influencers? It's gonna gonna going to be a little bit on. of both. both?
1: It's going to be a little bit of both, right? Because I think it's really important that you do. You, you know, We've been using influencers, or well, not us necessarily, but I have experienced using influencing for several years now. And I think you got to understand and, and calibrate how you're going to play into influencing. and But then you still have to own your brand, right? And it's really important that... Um, as we build out the brand, we're saying it in the right way. And when you get to influencers, you, you, you wanna make sure they're the right influencer for who you are, right? And then, and that's really important. Is there a genuineness? Is there an authenticity in who that partner is? And if there is, you're in wonderful shape. If it's not, well, it's not gonna work out too awesome. Working that balance, and I think TikTok's a really fascinating platform to begin that journey, right? But I think, What I want to be careful about is running into one direction versus the other, you know, because I'm a real believer that it's a multi-avenue play, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't want to be overly indexed in one versus the other. I want to be able to balance it correctly and figure out what the right balance is to maximize the opportunity.
0: There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep lather rinse repeat if you're listening to this ad then i know that that life does not resonate with you for the truly disruptive business leader work doesn't stay at the office and unwinding doesn't mean watching tv at night every single night this is why we've created mission daily a podcast that discusses the trends habits and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day from quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise, and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about, but don't talk about publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Yeah, Yeah, that'll be cool to see you all on there and see how it performs, bring you back in here, like what the metrics are. There you like go, and, right. Yeah, if it's converting to some sales or not. So the one thing, I mean, earlier in the episode you were talking about you know, manufacturing in Detroit and bringing them back here. Did you all have supply chain issues then? Or, I mean, tell me about that. Because now yeah. I hear so many people I talk to, they still are like, okay, we're, we'll bring it back in the US. And even though it's more expensive, it'll de-risk our supply chain but how is that for you all?
1: Well, because we're in a watch business, some of the components are yeah, built yeah. overseas, right? Yep. We have really no choice. So we did, we definitely did have some supply chain issues more so in 2021 than in 2022, mm-hmm. because we sort of learned our lessons in 2021 of how to sort of stock up on core product and have it ready to go. So we did de risk ourselves at some levels. Um, And if we had any issues on something, it was for other reasons rather than pure supply chain chain constraints. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was pretty important to be able to... The beauty is, is we make everything here. The components come from elsewhere, but the fact that we can build out our core product and do the build here does insulate us from some things, but not from everything.
0: Do you feel like that helps with your brand positioning too by being like built in Detroit, built in the US? I mean, have you heard that that actually helps sway people or? So I think
1: that's probably even a debate still to Mm -hmm. be had. I think what it does from a brand positioning standpoint is allow us to leverage a feeling and an emotion about being made in Detroit and being based in Detroit and supplying jobs in, in Detroit that is a better brand position than, say, made in the USA, right? Like um, it's more of have the city be part of the fabric of who we are. So Detroit has a certain feel, it's a certain soul, right? It's different than New York. It's different than LA. And it's about embracing those differences, right? Um, and the, the the ruggedness in some levels, mm-hmm. the grit, those are the pieces that I think are what we ultimately try to do. But again, the authenticity, right? I mean, it's a real, it's not a flashy city, right? But that's okay. It's a great city. It's on the, it's on it, continuing to be on the rise. And it's a matter of taking those portions of its ethos and then pulling that into what the brand is ultimately about.
0: Yeah, I love it. Yeah. When I was there, there was so much pride from people who kind of also live there now, but also stuck through it when it got a little dicey. And I mean, every person I was talking to, they were just like so proud of Detroit. I'm Absolutely. like, that's a good city to be in when everyone's just like, yeah, this is my city.
1: <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And then, listen, the parochialness is real, right? Mm-hmm. And outsiders be warned, right? Yeah. You, you have to work your way into it. <laughs> yeah. So, And that's cool, but there's a bunch of those cities, right? I think mm-hmm. of, you know, you think of Milwaukee, Detroit, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, mm-hmm. yeah. and having experienced living semi-close to most of the, all of those actually at one time, Uh, they're the same city, just against a different body of water. Mm -hmm. And that's important, right? And those people love their towns and it's good for a brand sort of like us or a brand that wants to sort of adopt the feel of their community. It can work, right? And then I think it can expand that feel nationwide, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And that's the important of how to do it in the right way to ensure that you're getting the message across, but you know, you're not overly parochial,
0: Yep. Yeah. So I want to switch over to 2023. I mean, we're recording this in January. It will go out in January. So I want to hear how you guys are thinking about the next six months or so, because I mean, the environment seems crazy. The predictability has kind of gone down when it comes to like, what are consumers going to be buying and how are they going to be investing? And like, everything's just up in the air. And so how are you all thinking, especially when you're in more of the luxury market when it comes to certain items, like how are you thinking about prepping for this coming, I'll just say six months?
1: Yeah, so I think how we're trying to prep is cautiously and and smart. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is we're not gonna go too far over our skis, but we're also not gonna completely retrench. Mm -hmm. We believe that we can do some shifting um, to maybe emphasize The brand with more events and storytelling in sort of more traditional channels than just trying to pound through and digital, digital, digital. I think that's going to be an interesting way for us to sort of get get the word out, but then rebalance ourselves. So we're still investing um, because we believe that's important, um, but we're trying to calculate things in a much broader fashion and not get caught in over indexing one channel and thus losing opportunity or driving expense when it's like, okay, we didn't probably have to do that. Um, So, but it's, listen, every indicator out there is it's going to be rough. Um, You know, that's where then the power of establishing the brand and then going to the storytelling that would then talk to the value of the good in luxury helps and helps tremendously, right? Um, Because even the upper customer is probably going to get cautious at some point, right? I think we've, we've all seen some evidence of that in the second half of the year, the past year, but going in the forward, you know, there no, no one's saying it's going to be awesome. Um, so it's a matter of just figuring out how can you basically position yourself to continue to grow, but do it in a, in a less frivolous way to ensure you're maximizing your expenditures.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like you're saying that's mostly through like diversity of diversity. channels. Absolutely. 100%. Yep. That's a good takeaway right there. I also saw that you are an advisor to, I think it's like six or seven companies. I'm yeah. like, man, okay. First, tell me, how do you pick the companies you want to advise? And then what are you telling them right now? Because you're in such a different market than some of these companies you're advising, sure. I imagine. So like, how do you pick your companies and how are you guiding them?
1: So how I pick them is, is really through feel and maybe previous relationships. Um, and, and they'll you know, they'll reach out to me and say, can you give me an opinion on this? Or can you give me an opinion on that? And then we just build a relationship. I, I don't know if there's any real magical sales pitch or solicitation. It's someone is either knows me through someone or they know them, me directly and think like, hey, you seem to have a semi-interesting background. Would you be willing to to offer an opinion on this? And you know, typically the answer is yes. And um, you know, in some cases it's no. It's like I don't know if I'd be the right guy for that spot. Um, but in the places where, like you know, for example, Martech, marketing technology, well, you know, I've used the system or two through through my time. Um, so, and when I'm talking to those folks, you know, I think about where I think I add value for them is okay. I would be the buyer. So it now becomes, okay, how easy is it going to be able to sell my Martech solution? And you know, we get into discussions about, okay, how good is your Martech solution? And if I give you five if I give you a dollar, you give me five dollars back. Like, whoa, like is that like, yeah, that's what people are gonna want, especially in these kind of times. So it's a matter of really kind of understanding how to help folks get through and, and just offer advice or I guess thoughts on like, this is what you're going to face. Cause like, if you came into my door and were trying to sell me something, this is how it would go down. And conversely on some of the retail brands that I talk to, it's more of like sharing it for, you know, sharing ideas and sharing thoughts and making sure that um, how are they looking at for their customer base as a, and what is it going to look like for them? But I think I always go back to, you know, and I think about my time at Land's End and I think, you know, all over the walls in every building on that campus, there was a saying from the founder, Gary Comer, and it was, you know, take care of the employees and take care of the customer and everything else, everything takes care of itself. And so anytime, you know, someone asked me my opinion on where, how this is going to look, it goes back to nailing the experience, um, the, and, and ensuring that we are maximizing the experience for the customer. And if we do that, we can crush it and we can survive. If you're worried about just feeling a good and moving things forward, it could get very difficult very fast. So putting the customer at the focus and making the customer the fo- focus point um, would be awesome. Yeah, That's yep. be a best way to try to get through this.
0: Yep, yep, that's good. So if I think of one way that you're planning on wowing your customers that you haven't done before, What's something that you and your team or the company are like going to try out to really do just that?
1: So I think what we're going to really look to do is emphasize our ability to tell stories through the multiple platforms that are out there and probably really emphasize into video like we've never done and really go back to some of the early storytelling the brand was founded on that we've drifted away from. Mm -hmm. So I'm not necessarily certain it would be totally new, but it's really kind of getting back to, let's get to the storytelling that made this brand special when it started, and let's bring that back, and let's really leg into that in the the coming year, for sure.
0: That's good. I mean, stories are the things that actually last thousands of years and get passed on, and people can remember to tell other people, so. That's a good direction to be headed.
1: Indeed. I think so. All
0: right. Well, Joel, this has been an awesome episode. I cannot wait to actually get back to the Shenola store and be able to yes, really like Yes.
1: Well get where are something. you where are you based at?
0: I'm in Austin. Is there one here?
1: Uh maybe one day. Ooh. So there's definitely a couple in Dallas. So <laughs> okay. we'll
0: see. Well, when it's here, I'll be excited to check it out or That's when I'm awesome. wandering around the US and find it. But until then, where can our listeners and viewers learn more about you and Shinola.
1: Well, you can find me, Joel, you can find me on LinkedIn if, if there's any interest at all, and I'm not sure why there would be. Um, but certainly more importantly, where you would find Shinola is certainly at www.shinola.com. And uh, you know, take a, take a look and, and get yourself familiar with who we are and what we're about.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Joel.
1: Stephanie, thank you very much for the time. I appreciate it.
0: Listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce Podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephaniemission.org at to get the conversation started.